You are listening to episode 50 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Hello again, friends, and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I am one step closer to having my regular podcast episodes back. But right now, I I should just update you on the saga that has been me getting a new computer. So interestingly, right before Christmas, my car battery and my computer battery both died the same day. So, you know, fast forward, my computer headed off unexpectedly to the Apple store and I didn't even have time to get everything off of my computer because when the battery went bad, it also stopped it from functioning properly. So I couldn't take everything off of it. So off it went before Christmas. And uh, then I decided I actually had a friend tag me in an advertisement for a used computer, a used MacBook in Halifax. And it was a great deal. So I thought I'd just, pu- I'd just buy it. So I bought it and wasn't really sure if I needed it at the time. I still hadn't spoken to the technicians at the Apple store, but did buy it. And then I just received an email this week, essentially saying they have a recycling program. Uh, So needless to say, the computer I bought uh, is definitely being used, but it's still, I don't have my backup yet. So my other computer is still in Moncton, which I can't even get to because it's in New Brunswick and I'm in Nova Scotia. And so I'm having my sisters kind of do the running around for me and so grateful for them doing that for me, but it is super inconvenient right now. So my hopes are that Next week, you're going to be enjoying an interview again because I have one right now sitting on the books that is so good and you're absolutely going to love it. I promise you it's worth the wait. And uh, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, Dan Northrup is going to be joining us again for it, but there's a special twist to this episode. And he is so anxious to hear it himself that uh, that I'm getting messages from him. And uh, I'm like, I'm so sorry it's not out yet, but stay tuned, guys. I know I keep saying it, and I know I keep apologizing for the state that is my podcast right now. But I guess I should also say... Thank you for your support because I received a lot of messages after last week's episode, just messages saying, you know, uh, relating to what I spoke about and relating to my story or extending just an understanding, uh, you know, thank you for sharing and and it was nice to hear or just uh, a heartfelt thank you. And it was lovely to receive those messages and honestly... When I share any stories of my struggle, it really is only because I know that it helps other people be able to get through their own struggles. Uh, Otherwise, I would keep those to myself, I promise. But uh, those messages really do help to inspire my content. And uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate you connecting with me and letting me know how my podcast episodes have impacted you and your life. So thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, so for today's episode, I'm going to share with you really quickly before I dive into the content, I'm going to share with you something that I'm super excited about and I would like to see if you're going to be super excited about it too because it is one of those things that's going to, um, I believe, positively impact the horse community even more. And the best part is that it's being brought to you by someone who I'm just starting to get to know, but she has been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, so I want to share with you a new podcast that is being launched tonight. And it's one that I haven't listened to yet. I'm super excited to listen to, But I'm going to share with you a little bit about it because I believe this is one of those podcasts that's going to come out that makes an impact and I think the why behind it is phenomenal. So here's a little bit about my new friend, Mary Anderson from Kelowna, BC's new podcast. Again, it's coming out, should be launching tonight. She's had a few technical issues, so she's kind of like had to put it off a little bit, but it should be coming out tonight. And if not, I, you know, stay tuned on iTunes. As soon as I know that it's on um, not on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. As soon as I know it's on there, I'll let you know through Instagram but or on this podcast. But the podcast she's bringing to you is called The Equine Collective Podcast, and it's for the dreamer, the innovators, and the rebels of global equestrian community. In her first season, she will be featuring equestrians who are stepping outside of the traditional box of horsemanship, people who are innovating programs and resources for a more holistic, relational, and mindful approach to equine care and training. She will be also diving deep into the vital role that community empowerment and self-care play in the everyday lives of equestrians. Now, if you've been listening to the Take the Reins podcast for quite some time, you probably are not surprised by my excitement over this new podcast that is coming out, and I am so glad to be supportive of it because it's conversations like these that just need to continue to be had within the horse community. So welcome to the podcast world, Mary, and thank you for having the bravery to share your voice. And if you want to check Mary out on Instagram, that's where I found her, or maybe she found me. But either way, you can find Mary at Huckleberry Horse Co. on Instagram. She has a phenomenal page going on there. It's so good. And uh, again, welcome, Mary, and all the best. Good luck with your new podcast. I cannot wait to listen. All right, let's dive into today's episode. So this episode's inspired by the fact that I can't help but really want my daughter to learn the lessons that I was privileged to learn by owning horses as a young at a young age and throughout my teens. And so it's prompted me to really think about those lessons. And you know, I I keep on saying, I, you know, I really want her to. And I have to keep on telling myself that just because she's not riding doesn't mean she's not gaining these lessons. So I thought I'd share with you today some of the lessons that I believe have led to my success as a person, not just as a equestrian. 
and all as a result of um, having the gift of horses in my life. And so this is actually a funny story because I started writing my book based on a line call or uh, based on a line that said they approached it like it was heavy. So it was. And then after I started writing my book, I actually started doubting myself and wondering if I was writing something that anybody would enjoy or if there was a, if it was a structure that I was going to be able to make use of. And I ended up writing these lessons that I had learned from horses. And I thought that that was where I was going to go with the book. And then I couldn't help but write the book that I ended up writing. And I used these as bonus lessons at the back. So these are actually um, at the back of the conscious communicator, but I'm going to read them to you now because they really are uh, lessons that I hold very close to my heart, and they are lessons that I will ensure my daughter gets taught, even if she does not choose to uh, pursue a life of riding horses, because she really will have them in her life as long as she's with us anyway. And uh, I do think that she'll still gain these valuable lessons either way. So here we go. Here are the lessons that I believe I've learned. Growing up with horses taught me some precious lessons. That is the reason, after all, that my parents invested in horses. They did not get a substantial monetary contribution at the end of their investment. Instead, they got well-rounded children who were taught values that have helped them become successful adults. The lessons I learned from owning a horse at a young age are plentiful. I have selected the ones which I believe contributed to the most contributed the most to my success in life thus far. Lesson number 1. If you fall off, get back on. This can be perceived as a bit of a cliché lesson, but I'm starting with it for a reason. It applies to a rider's first fall in particular, no matter at what age it happens. Falling off your horse results in a number of painful experiences. Of course, there is physical pain, but aside from that, there's also the hurt ego, the shattered confidence, and often a touch of stinging embarrassment. Physical pain is often the least difficult type of pain to push to push through. You see, people push through physical pain all of the time. They get tattoos, they get piercings, they take up boxing or martial arts, they play sports with sprains and breaks and lots more. People will push through physical pain and find the pleasure on the other side. You do not, however, see people voluntarily experiencing emotional pain to gain pleasure. We protect ourselves from emotional pain at all costs. We avoid situations that result in a hurt ego. We may not ask a person we like to dinner because they might say no. We avoid asking for a raise at work in case our employee does not employer does not see our value. We avoid the hard conversation with a significant other or refuse to apologize because that would be telling the ego it is wrong. We seek situations to boost confidence and avoid ones that make us feel insecure. We get jobs we're overqualified for to ensure that we're the best. We take classes that are too easy to make sure we get top marks. 
We date people who love us more than we love them to avoid them hurting us. We leave relationships too soon to prevent the rejection we fear may come. We cheat on our lovers emotionally and physically because the other person feeds our ego and in turn boosts our confidence. We miss uplifting experiences due to fear of embarrassment. We will stay seated when a person asks us to dance, robbing us of an experience worth having. We don't sing in the car like we want to in fear that someone is going to see us. We avoid giving presentations for fear of making a mistake and having others notice. We don't go to the beach with the, with the thought of others judging our weight. We fear what others will think and it stifles us. When we are in situations that we know will result in emotional pain, we procrastinate, we overanalyze, and we compromise all to lessen the blow. When the situation is unavoidable, such as divorcing an abusive partner, we will only make a move after much debate and deliberation. People do not have to process nearly as much to push through physical pain. They see it as a means to an end, and they move toward the light on the other side. Emotional pain prevents people from seeing the good that will result from it. That is why we have such a difficult time pushing through it when we experience it. With this, the question stands of why someone ever gets back on a horse after they fall. Combining physical pain with such emotional pain is, sure, is a sure recipe for someone to give up or avoid that situation in the future. And it is for many, but not all. As a horse person, I've heard countless stories from people who have said, I rode a horse once, but... That sentence continues uniquely for most, but mo all of them end the same. It resulted in them never taking the chance again because of some combination of physical and emotional pain. Often, the individual did not even personally have the experience. They have just heard of someone else's negative experience and chalk it up to being not worth it or too risky. I am not entirely sure what sets apart the riders who get back on and push through their first fall and the riders who immediately give up and never grace a saddle again. I do know, however, that it takes great resilience to climb back on and this is something that will set them apart from others in the future. As a former high school English teacher, I see resilience on the decline. I see students giving up before they even get started. I see parents and teachers holding their hands for far too long and never allowing them the opportunity to push through difficult situations independently. Those who learn to be resilient will rise above those who were never naturally inclined to or encouraged to be. We need people in this world who are willing to not only break through physical pain, but we also need people who are willing to push through the emotional pain that makes us question ourselves and the choices we make. It is crucial that we use these experiences to better ourselves and not allow them to write off life as too difficult and live in fear. Lesson number two. You can, and you will. Confidence. This is the next lesson having a horse will teach you because 
As you push through the difficult times that make others walk away, your confidence grows. You learn that you can set goals and achieve them. You discover that learning something can be very challenging at first. You may fall and you may feel awkward and unnatural at first, but before you know it, when you sit in the saddle, it will feel as natural as walking. Your confidence will soar knowing that you can create a relationship with an animal built on trust, and it will allow you to experience what it is like to fly without wings. A horse reads your body language and knows if you are not a confident leader. When this occurs, a horse will then feel as though they have to fend for themselves. They will be reactive and potentially dangerous. When we handle a horse with confidence, we become the leader of the herd and they look to us to keep them safe. This perception of an individual's confidence works the same way in our society. When someone walks into a room, we can sense their confidence and it influences how we feel about their competency. This is a crucial thing to understand for those who are looking to succeed in all avenues they desire. We judge people based on their body language and their voice. It is natural to put our faith in those who present themselves in a confident way. I learned this in my teaching career as I saw individuals the same age as myself struggle to manage classes that gave me little to no trouble. In those first few years of teaching, I did not always feel confident, but I tried to never show it. I spoke clear and strong even when I felt my voice might break. I walked with my head high and shoulders back, even when my students towered over me, which happened a lot. <laughs> I handled situations as if I had dealt with them millions of times before, even in my first year. I faked my confidence about 50% of the time during those first couple of years of teaching, and with each successful lesson, class, semester, and year, my true confidence grew, and I very rarely had to fake it. If students sense a lack of confidence, they will exploit it. If a potential client feels a lack of confidence, they will pass over us and work with someone who is more experienced. If an audience perceives a lack of confidence, they will doubt our knowledge, talent, or ability and will feel uneasy as they watch us speak or perform. Confidence is key in moving forward. If we aren't confident in ourselves, others certainly won't be confident in us either. I believe if we are living a life aligned with purpose, we will always have to fake confidence from time to time. If we are breaking through fear and living outside of our comfort zone, we will encounter new situations that we will feel are scary and foreign and will require true and fake confidence to achieve success. We will always have firsts. Confidence is the very thing that will allow them from being a first to the first of many. Now, I'm just going to pause my reading here for a second because I wrote that in 2016 or 2017. And since then, I've learned a lot more about confidence and horses and incorporating confidence and how I'm showing up for my horses into my work, both with horses and humans. And I've learned a lot about congruence and our horses need an appreciation for it. So 
back then, I kind of felt like you could fake it till you make it with a horse. And what I've discovered since then is that our horses truly are here to keep us honest. And the best way to make a horse uneasy with us or not trust us is by showing up incongruent with them where we appear one way on the outside, but inside we are like in shambles and totally different. So It's best when we're working with our horses that if we're feeling a lack of confidence, that we show up in that way in the sense that we're honest about it and we're not trying to fake it. We own how we're feeling, but that we learn strategies to be able to cope with situations and understand different tools to get us through things safely. And it's the safety that we learn that actually increases our confidence. Something else that's really important here is learning about our body body language and how we place our bodies and then how that influences the chemicals in our bodies in order to put off um, or, or give us different experiences, both physically and mentally, and then how that translates to our horses. So that's kind of a side note and it's stuff that I can talk about some other episode. Um, but for now, I just needed to be able to share with you that my perception or my opinion about faking it till you make it or faking confidence has definitely shifted since I wrote this particular chapter. Okay, let's move on to lesson number three. Lesson three is good things come to those who wait. Horses teach patience. Learning is a process and we cannot teach our horses everything we want them to learn in one day. People who handle horses must appreciate the little breakthroughs and practice patience for the lessons to set in fully. If we rush our training, we'll create problems down the road, and the same goes for ourselves. If we take shortcuts and do not have patience with ourselves, we'll create bad habits that will interfere with our growth and success or we'll end up quitting. When we learn the skill of being patient, we feel less stress and pressure throughout life. Greatness and growth take time. When we learn patience, we understand that healthy relationships require our understanding and that we may have to wait for others to be what we need or give us what we need. We will handle our relationships with more care, knowing that they do not have to be perfect every day. Things worth having take time and work. We need to move beyond only wanting things in our lives that offer immediate gratification. In a world where we have the answers to all of our questions in our pocket, we must be willing to search beyond Google for answers, commit to relationships with people who do not text back, text back immediately like myself, (laughs) or do not share their feelings and life on social media. It's important to commit to developing relationships and friends based on invested time. This requires patience. We should allow the slow development of trust and love and allow connections between ourselves and others to grow based on experiences shared together. Like-mindedness is discovered through face-to-face conversation, and comfort is found in quiet moments where neither person feels panicked to speak and fill the silence. Lesson number four, good things come to those who work. The skill of learning to wait has an equally important counterpart, the skill to work. 
Horses teach us that we have to work for what we have. We must put care into our work and appreciate the results. Everything about owning a horse is work. In time, people often find the work of cleaning stalls, grooming, and riding therapeutic. Yet, there are always days we have to go to the barn when we don't particularly want to. On cold, snowy days such as these, when buckets are frozen and shoveling must be done, it would be much easier to stay at home. But horses depend on us, and we need to work even when there is minimal payoff. Growing up, I questioned my commitment to my sport more than one, on more than one occasion. I was envious of my friends who had fewer responsibilities and more free time. As an adult, I am thankful for my structured time and need to work hard. Due to my commitment to horses, I got into less trouble with alcohol and other things teens experiment with when they have unstructured time. When my friends were going to parties on Friday nights, I was going to Friday night lectures to learn how to feed, groom, and care for my horse to the best of my ability. I completed tests that I had to study for, and I competed in international quizzes that required months of training with only the reward of winning a ribbon and the pride in knowing that my hard work had paid off. Working hard is a skill. It is something that we have to learn and practice. As adults, we have to press ourselves to work when it does not offer an immediate reward and sometimes no reward at all. The responsibility of owning an animal and belonging to a competitive sport taught me to parent myself at a younger age than some. I had a constructive self-dialogue that pushed me to be responsible for doing things in life that I didn't feel like doing. The first time I heard the term parenting yourself was when I was watching mentoring videos by Mel Robbins. I connected right away to this concept because it was something that I had battled with throughout my teens and continue to do so as an adult. I've always been a goal setter and reaching goals took hard work and required the ability to parent myself through the times that I did not want to do something, knowing the inaction would hold me back from reaching my goals. When people are not willing to work for what they have, they often find themselves stuck in a pattern where they are reacting to life rather than creating it. Those who do not work hard blame others when things do not go their way instead of recognizing that with success comes failure and we are to learn from it and continue to work hard. Lesson number five, be present and aware. With the integration of smartphones into our society, so has the habit or practice of not being present and aware of what is happening around us. Working with horses taught me the importance of this at a young age, and it is reinforced every single day. Horses live in the now. They do not think about the future and are not envious of other horses. They simply live in the present moment and respond to their environment accordingly. If a handler is not present and aware when working with a horse, they're placing themselves in a potentially dangerous situation. Being present and aware is a form of mindfulness that needs to be practiced when we have a tendency to feel like life is slipping away. 
When we're not present, we feel like we are no longer in the driver's seat, and this makes us feel a lack of control. When we find ourselves daydreaming, distracted, or dwelling on something, we're missing important moments in the present. We may miss the opportunity to speak with someone who could be the key to creating a much-needed shift in our lives, or we could miss the chance to boost our child's confidence by simply saying, good job. Not being present could be as disastrous as running a red light and potentially taking a life or ending your own. We must reconnect with our present to truly be happy in our life. This means we need to appreciate what we have, and to do that, we have to be aware enough to see it. We need to be aware of not clouding our judgment and perception of our own lives by looking at others and desiring what they have. If we find we are not happy, it is our responsibility to be present in our lives and come to terms with our emotions. It is required that we take action, no matter how small, to create a present that we do not want to be distracted from. All right, the sixth and final lesson I'm going to share with you today. Keep moving beyond your edge. Horses are brilliant and they teach us as much as we teach them. When we are taught in our youth to set goals with our horse, it teaches us to keep moving beyond our edge. We need to make little steps outside of our comfort zone to learn something new and advance our skills. This is equally important as we progress into adulthood. It is a common practice to leave school, choose a career path, and focus on our education to set us up on our desired path. We choose our career path often between the ages of 16 and 25, and society tends to look down their nose at those who work within that chosen career for some time and then choose to leave. Discovering the career path that you chose as a teen or young adult no longer aligns with you should not be something that we frown upon. It's something we should encourage. We should promote personal growth and mental health. Feeling misaligned with your career path should be an indication that it's time to move forward, push beyond your edge, and create change. Remaining in a job, relationship, city, or or home that does not make you feel good is like saying that you are not worth inconveniencing yourself to create your own happiness. We are responsible for moving forward in life. We are not required to settle for something because we thought it would be something we'd enjoy down the road. This concept is ridiculous. It's like buying a gift for a friend when we haven't even met them yet. We do not know their likes or dislikes, and we do not know what has shaped them. Our future selves are very similar. On the road of life, we're shaped by our experiences, awakenings, and growth. We should expect changes in our desires and dreams. Only we have the ability to create change in our lives to chase those dreams. Well, those are the lessons that come to mind for me when I think about working with horses and and having the privilege of working with them at a young age. And I'd love to know, what lessons do you think you have learned in particular? And what lessons do you want to share with the next generation as a result of working with horses? Okay, to finish off this episode, I want to share one more thing with you. 
If you've listened to the last couple episodes, you've likely heard me speak about a pilot program that I'm coming out with with Beth Killo called The Aware Horsewoman. Now, if you have, today I actually have some more information for you that should be able to explain the program a little more in depth, but also whether it's something that you'd be interested in. So remember that if this is something you're interested in, make sure you email me at Nikki at NikkiPorter.ca because there's a registration window between January 25th and February 1st. We're launching February 1st. I'm so excited for this program. Let's just give you a little bit more detail here. The Aware Horsewoman program uniquely teaches Beth Killo's brilliant and effective natural leadership model. Beth's model, which she typically teaches through her company, The Circle Up Experience, brings together theoretical frameworks from multiple disciplines and focuses on a new way of approaching leadership and relationship. So this is a pilot program that's structured over six weeks. It takes place entirely online and is designed with the busy horsewoman in mind. For less money than you would typically pay for a three-day clinic, you're going to get six weeks of training that will transform the way you show, show up for all of your horses and humans in your life, lifetime access to course content to revisit anytime you need a refresher, the option to participate again in the course as many times as you wish during future sessions, video lessons to be watched at your own convenience, weekly live and recorded recorded Q&A with your two dedicated, passionate, and knowledgeable horsewomen and teachers, a human herd that will support your learning and growth, and horse-human exercises that will allow you to implement lessons and enhance your connection with your equine partner. Guys, honestly, this program, I'm so excited and honored to bring it to you. So if it sounds like something that you're interested in, again, reach out to me, Nikki at NikkiPorter.ca, and I'd love to hear from you, and I cannot wait to work with you. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Take the Reins podcast. I will see you next time, hopefully with an interview. Either way, I appreciate you being here, and I'll talk to you again soon.